Well, another huge week of sport has come and gone. Welcome to episode three of the Committee Williams podcast. We've had the AFL draft. A whole young bunch of rookies have wound up on AFL lists. What on earth is going on in Boston? I'd love to know what Mark thinks about their poor start to this NBA season. And of course, Steph Curry, out injured at the moment. He can't take a trick. We'll tell you why a little bit later. And of course, we have a quirky story to add to the podcast this week And it's a wrestling one, and I'm glad because that means Mark Cometti can fill us all in on what he thinks about something that I just couldn't believe what I was seeing, and we'll play the audio for you later. Welcome, Mark. Jimmy, thanks for having me on the show, even though, again, the show has my name in the title. Uh, Thanks for having me in again uh, to this nice studio we uh, are accustomed to now. Week three, we're uh, veterans of this now. Well, you're on every week. Yeah, I know. But I'm just, I'd like to thank you, Coots, you introduce me every week, so I feel it's my... Judy to say thanks for having me on the show. It's very kind of you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure you appreciate it. Now, did you watch the AFL draft? I did. I did in bits. I can't say I watched the whole thing, um, but I did. Uh, what did you think of it first and foremost? I want to get your take, then I'll chime in. I'm glad you didn't watch the whole thing because you would have been <laughs> There was never a wasting, chance of that, I don't think. You me. would have been wasting a lot of time. It just went for way, way, way too long. Uh For me, the only thing missing from Mm. the whole telecast, let me just say this first. I'm glad that the AFL want to try something different and give exposure to the kids that are coming into the AFL system. I'm all for that. That's great. Mm -hmm. But this went for too long. It went over two days. I I didn't agree with that. I don't agree with that. And some of the players, they were in their club polo shirts. That's cool. That's Australian. I I understand that. But everything else about it just screamed NBA draft. The only thing missing... From my point of view, were the ridiculous suits, the big watches, and the snapbacks that get given out by the NBA head of basketball or whatever is that, Adam Silver. Adam Silver, yeah. yeah, the commissioner. Yep, the commissioner. So they don't give out caps in the AFL. They give out the Guernseys, and a whole bunch of different guests appeared for their clubs respectively, and, and gave the the youngsters their Guernseys on stage. It was only round one, of course, on Thursday night, but five minutes between picks, it just went on forever. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit drawn out. I mean, the draft process is not really an exciting one uh, in any sport, really. I mean, when I, it's not something that when you watch it, it looks great on TV. I've got to say, it's sort of like saying, does Brownlow look great on TV? Yeah. The result's cool. And once it starts, if it's a close race, then, you know, one vote, 100 votes, however you want to call it, um, it starts getting interesting. But there's lulls throughout the, the evening and the procedure. Uh, and the process, so to speak. So I think drafts are sort of sketchy business anyway as far as you're interested in the top bit. Sometimes it's more interesting, say, with the NBA when the lottery picks happen and they find out which team's going to pick first. Yep. Sometimes that almost has a bit more excitement to it than the actual draft itself, uh, generally because the draft, especially in, say, the NBA, is usually a foregone conclusion. You don't know some years which way teams may go. But I think that AFL is just trying to do that. Going over two days is a little bit excessive. That's like the NFL draft does that. I felt bad for the kids that... Okay, I keep saying kids because they're young men. But I feel bad for the young men. No, they're kids. They are kids. <laughs> they are okay, kids thanks for agreeing with me. But I, I, I feel bad for the ones that weren't selected in round one because they've got to wait. They had to wait through round one on, on Thursday night. Then they had to come back. Yeah. And I feel that they were just alienated. And 
I don't think that's what they were trying to achieve. Yeah, well, the, sometimes that happens too because that the, you get that in other sports that we've seen uh, televise their draft. You get guys showing up thinking they're going to be top picks, and then they don't go at all. Or, or you get the other other thing happen. They don't rock up, and then they go a lot earlier than they mm. thought. Um, so there's always that interesting dynamic where you don't know where it's going to go. So. Yeah, but I guess they're sort of they're figuring it out. So don't be too harsh on them, I suppose. But I've heard a lot of reports that it was a little NBA-ish. Uh, one thing I did notice that I thought when you said the guys were wearing their polos, it was a little confusing sometimes because sometimes the polos had logos very similar to other AFL teams. Right. Uh, so if you had the Eagles from wherever, uh, they would have the Eagles logo, and then he was holding a St Kilda jumper. So it was a little bit uh, off-putting from that circumstance. I would be, I'd be thrilled to see them. I would. Uh, this is going to kind of contradict what I said in the opener, but I wouldn't mind if they rocked up wearing a suit. It's a professional yeah, night think, for them. I think that's better. Personally, you think it's better than, than the club polo? Yes, it's a bit more neutral uh, because it is confusing when you've got to rock it up in their in their current club colours and then they're getting a, ju- a, a jumper. Of a completely different colour. But it also gives exposure to the local clubs that breed a lot of this local yeah, talent. Yeah, that, that is true. But I think that that's probably not... I mean, most of those clubs that... You hear a lot of the same names. So they're pretty well established anyway. So most people in the footy world know who these clubs are. Well, it was um, tedious, the yeah, draft. It was right. absolutely tedious. Former Hawthorne player. He played for West Coast too. Xavier Ellis. He vented his frustration Dave. on Twitter. Yep. By the time this draft is complete, Sam Walsh will be a free agent. <laughs> Sam Walsh went at pick one. <laughs> yeah, so I know, I know that, Jimmy. What, you think I did no prep no, at all? I didn't say that. <laughs> what, what did you think? I told you I was lying on the prep. I didn't say I had nothing. No, no. I mean, uh, no, but that is funny, boys. He's a funny man, though. Yeah. He's a funny man. He's a very, very funny bloke. Love seeing his stuff yeah. on Twitter. And uh, your point before you said, it's hard to telecast it in the sense to make it exciting. Well, at the end of the day, it is. It's just young blokes walking up on stage collecting a Guernsey. There's not really much else to show. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. So, but And the other thing where it loses a little bit of its luster, again, compared, I hate to compare everything to the NBA all the time, but this is a major difference in the, in the draft process. And it's similar, I would say, the AFL is similar to, say, the NFL, where a lot of these guys come in and don't have immediate impact. And some of them take years and years and half of them probably never even end up making it. So this is where the big floor is. Because in the NBA, these guys are usually stars coming in. And within the first couple of years, they're generally stars in the league. or very good players. Um, you don't get that in the AFL. You don't get it in the NFL either. And that's why those two drafts, to me, aren't as exciting. Because some of these guys, you may never even see again. And that's, and that's the truth. Because a lot of these guys are so young, they take punts on them, and a lot of times it doesn't work out. So There's certainly no exact science in the AFL draft system. I, I am looking into it. I've had a few conversations with people this week about, I'm, I'm concerned. I've never really been for raising the draft age, but I'm now thinking perhaps it might be time to. And good luck to all those that did get drafted. I, I hope to see you playing AFL footy next year. But as you said, Mark, the reality is, Sometimes it just doesn't eventuate that way. No, no, just to, just to further that point, it's fine if they want to draft them at that age, I think, because some, some of the guys do work out. So, uh, uh, But I think when they start saying guys are too old at 23, 24, when they're clearly good players, in, they may be playing Waffle, whatever, uh, VFL. However, these guys can play. How can you tell me that guy can't play when you're looking at a, a guy who is a man already and you're not banking on some 17-year-old who may work out, may not, 
by the time he's 24. This is where it gets silly because you've got a guy that you're looking at and go, he can play. Tell me how you really feel, man. No, but I, it's, I 100% it's true. agree with it's you. It's true, I, and it's very frustrating. It's, I, don't, I don't understand how these teams work all the time. I don't pretend to know uh, how the inner circles of the AFL work from that point, from the, a talent point of view. Uh, but it seems like they've got this recipe that they never waver from. And I think it's foolish and I think it's stupid. And I think they miss a lot of good talent that is out there because sometimes you'll be watching a waffle game and you'll be saying, well, hang on, there's three or four guys playing out here that are better than half of the lists on, on AFL teams. I completely agree. It's the, I, I completely agree, Mark. I, it frustrates me a lot because to get to the bottom of your point of what you just said, yeah. the best players playing football in Australia mm. aren't all in the AFL. We've got a problem right there. Yeah, exactly. But then you've got these guys that just believe in their in their way of doing things so much that they will refuse to waver from it to a point where it hurts themselves. So I just do not understand that logic because I know you haven't had him in the system for seven years, but sometimes those guys you've had in the system for seven years end up moving back to wherever the hell they're from and driving trucks and have and have and aren't prepared for the future because they didn't work out and and you guys picked wrong. So it's just interesting because I just think it's foolish. If a guy is good enough to play, if he's 24 or 25, he's not over the hill. I mean, what's peak in AFL? Probably still mid to late 20s? Yep, I agree. Okay, so you're getting a guy in his peak and you're telling me he hasn't got four, four or five good years in him. Because most of these kids you pick up don't start reaching their, their potential till about that age anyway. So if you've got someone who's closer to a finished product, these teams are crazy, and that is the part I do not understand. If you want to take a kid when he's 17, that's fine. But that is no reason then not to pick up a guy who's 23, 24 and clearly ready to play. You're preaching to the choir, telling me how you really feel, Mark. Very, very good. I, I completely agree. I, I think the draft system needs to be it needs a, a serious sort of look at, um, an investigation, if you will, because the percentage of guys that don't make AFL careers is is far too concerning. But well done to everyone who did get drafted this year. Going through the top 10 just quickly, Mark, Sam Walsh to Carlton, Jack Lukosius to the Gold Coast Suns, as well as Isaac Rankin at pick four, Max St. <laughs> Glad you're reading these names, aren't they? At pick four, Max King went to my guys, the Saints. Uh, he's a St. Kilda supporter, actually, Max. So welcome aboard. Can't wait to see you in the red, white, and black. At pick five, Connor Rosie to Port Adelaide. Max King's twin brother, Ben, he also went to the Gold Coast Suns. Hopefully in a few years, he comes back down and plays for St. Kilda, Mark. At pick seven, Bailey Smith to the Western Bulldogs. Eight, Taron Thomas to North Melbourne. Nine, Chase Jones, one of the better names in the draft, off to Adelaide. And pick 10, Nick Blakey to Sydney. The name that isn't in that top 10, and this is the best name now in the AFL. He went to your club, Mark, Irving Mosquito. Yeah, there's a buzz about him, isn't there, Jimmy? (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty good. Mark, uh, a good friend of mine who listens to the Comedy Williams podcast, Andy. G'day, mate. Uh, he tagged me in something during the week, and it's Boston. He's a Boston fan, and they're not traveling too well. I just want to know from your point of view, what on earth is going on with the Boston Celtics this season? LeBron is out of the East. They've got a golden opportunity to win their conference and play in the finals, and they've slipped to 10-10 and 10 to start the season. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? But it's almost like they've got too much talent 
um, speaking to you before the show, we we touched on it. But uh, yeah, it's. I mean, they've got a lot of moving parts to work back in there. You work in uh, Haywood and and Irving back into a team that was functioning so well and at such a high level at the end of last season. Um, so you can't forget that. Sometimes that that's a big adjustment. Um, but you've got a lot of these young guys who are probably getting less of the ball than they were obviously in that playoff run last season, and now they have to adjust to playing without the ball and less shots and stuff like that. And it's, it's hard for guys, especially young guys, to get their rhythm and stay confident. And you're noticing it with the play of Tatum a lot because um, he's been sort of underwhelming this season after he looked like he was going to be a breakout star right, yeah. this year after that playoff performance last year. Comparisons to Kobe yeah, early this year. For sure. So, And he's sort of been, like I said, underwhelming. So it's interesting because those young players still play so much on confidence. If you're not getting the ball all the time, you're not getting your shots, that's going to affect you a great deal. And obviously Kyrie needs so much of the ball um, I don't know how many shots he's taken or anything like that, but what's what's he averaging this season so far? So he's 19th in points per game. He's yep. averaging 21.7 points per game. So that's not massive for Kyrie. Obviously, he was probably averaging a bit more with Cleveland, uh, and you sort of view him as a prolific scorer. So if he's not scoring, what is he doing? So it's an interesting thing because you know him as such an offensive threat. Now, if he's not averaging 25 to 30 points a game, he's not a defensive stopper. He's not a pass-first point guard mm. so it's interesting what did what's he adding to your team which brings up the next thing of will will Danny Ainge trade him before he's up to be a free agent next year now Kyrie has come out which is a little bit unkyrie like earlier and said he wants to stay in Boston because uh, there's sort of rumors swirling from his camp about he's always wanted to go to New York and be a Nick and you know, ball at the garden, <laughs> uh, which seems like a very Kyrie thing to do. Well, he's, who wouldn't want to do that? Yeah, but his game suits the garden. You know what I mean? Those handles and stuff like that. He's a, he's a playground legend, you know? Uncle Drew we're talking about oh, here. Yeah. So oh, yeah. he fits it to a T. So, but you just wonder, Danny Ainge being Danny Ainge, he's not sure I'm pulling the trigger. If he can sort of solidify a talent like Anthony Davis or something like that, I don't think he'd have any problems at all partying with Kyrie. So Kyrie might feel a bit odd right now because he might feel like he's the odd man out a little bit because I think Hayward Hayward's not playing well, but he's more interchangeable in that team and it's form with him. It's not his style of play. With Kyrie, it's style of play that may be okay. affecting the others and the ball movement and everything like that. So they had a great win against Toronto in the middle part of November this year, 2018. Since then, they've lost four of their last five. They beat Atlanta, but they've lost to Utah, Charlotte, the Knicks, and Dallas. And in the Western Conference, Dallas are 11th and Utah are 14th. So they're not traveling, traveling along too fantastically either. Mm. What does that say about Brad Stevens and his team? Well, I think Brace Lee's is a very good coach, but he just needs to figure out what's going on there. And as I said, it's going to take a little while working those pieces back in. But I think if something doesn't start happening, you're going to see some trade rumors start swirling uh, around that mid-year trade to the deadline. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Danny Age is not sort of going to sit on his hands here because he knows they've got a good team now. Now, they do have youth on their side because they're a very young team. They've got a very young coach. So the windows are probably a bit more wide open and the opportunity is far greater than normal, so however. You're, so you're saying they need to not panic? They don't need to panic, but Danny Ainge won't sit on his hands. So he's, he'll easily, I think, move things on if he doesn't deem they're as good as they were last season, which is perfectly fair too because you're paying all these guys oodles of money. You want The team should be better, theoretically, when you get your two best players back. However, it's, it's not. not. Mm. And that, that comes down to the weird thing about that too is Brad Stevens is a college coach. 
Now, these college coaches generally thrive on a well-balanced team. You see that the college play is different. It doesn't normally centerpiece one player dramatically or two players dramatically. It generalizes the whole team as, as functioning as a whole. Unless you're Duke and you want to run the play through Barrett and not Zion. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. But, but even Duke, they, they, they've got a system. So everyone, no one's greater than the system in college, which is, which is interesting because last season in that Boston run, that was like a college team. They were very balanced. They were very young. They were very athletic. They all believed in the system because there was no guys with huge egos or used to getting heaps of shots. So they all played their part. Now, when you throw in two, two big pieces, especially a guy like Kyrie, who's going to demand a lot, now that could throw his coaching off too. You never know. Now, theoretically, a good coach with more weapons should be better. However, maybe the fundamentals and the, the, what you're preaching doesn't get across in the same level. So after 20 games this season, they're 10 and 10. After 20 games last season, when they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals to a LeBron absolute takeover, they were 17 and 3, and they finished with a record of 55 and 27. So this is not good based on where they were last year. As you said, they've got two stars back. They've got to work it out. I just think they're missing a golden opportunity in the East. Well, one, one would think that, but it just depends. You never know how everyone's head is on the team after having success either, and you, you never know sort of what's happened to the egos and, and what's going on. Now they, and there's also expectation on them for the first time, a lot of these guys. So they came in favourites. A lot of people are saying they've got a better team than the Warriors. Okay. And, and the biggest threat to the Warriors. As I far was as excited to watch them play. Top, top to bottom, they're saying how deep they are. Obviously, their top stars are not as good as the Warriors' top stars, but everyone was saying, hey, this this team could give the, the Warriors some trouble. Now, when you come in and you've got that expectation all of a sudden, there's a lot more pressure on every shot you're taking. And you're seeing a lot of these young guys, they may be affected by the pressure a little bit. Staying on basketball and the Warriors, who you foreshadowed, uh, they're missing their point guard, Steph Curry, and he can't take a trick at the moment. Did you see what happened? I, I heard I heard swells that there was potentially a uh, fender bender. Is well, that correct, Jimmy? This could have been a lot worse than it was, so I'm really super glad it wasn't, obviously. His car, his black Porsche sedan, was hit not just once, but twice in a car accident in Oakland. He was hit by another car coming out of a, a highway tunnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he pulled over, did the right thing, Steph, mm-hmm. and then another car came out of the same tunnel. It was wet and windy, and... Rear-ended him. It's always a dangerous situation if you're uh, getting out of the car, though, isn't it? Especially on a freeway. So, especially in woolly weather, uh, so to speak. So, Steph's got good evasive skills, though. You'd expect him <laughs> to be able to, you know. He's probably had a ball in his hand the whole time. Probably gone around the back a few times, tripping <laughs> through the legs, doing it one way or the other, fake the car out, you know, as you'd expect Steph to be doing. So, I don't think much would phase Steph. I think, I don't imagine the look on Steph's face, the expression changing at all when the cars hit his Danny Car, he doesn't seem to be phased by much, Steph. Could you imagine he? if that were you and you just crashed into Steph Curry's black Porsche sedan? You'd probably be Instagramming it, wouldn't you? <laughs> He'd probably take a yeah. selfie with yeah. him. Hey, man, hey, man, you want a selfie? <laughs> I don't think, is that the time to ask for a selfie, though, or is oh, that frowned upon? Oh, I don't think he would have been I don't very see, happy. I, I, know, I, don't see, I, don't, I can't imagine Steph getting too mad. I think he would have taken the selfie. Like, if it was Draymond, Draymond, you know, most yeah. people would have probably wanted to stay in the car if it was Draymond. <laughs> but Steph, I think Steph would be happy. Steph just never seems like he's mad. Have you ever. Have you ever had a, a a car accident? Have you ever crashed your car? I, I or have. been involved in a, I, an accident? I did have a crash when I was about 17. Um, but, um, you know, we won't go into that. Mum and Dad might be listening. So um, that, was, that wasn't a good one. But um, no, not, nothing else really apart from that. One time I got rear-ended on a Miami freeway. Right. So in similar, a rental car. Oh, in a rental car. Lucky my rental car was like a big four-wheel drive. And the, I got out. The guy's car was completely crumpled. 
but my rental, not a scratch on it. Quality car. It was a Ford four-wheel drive. Looked like the new Range Rovers. We never got them here. <laughs> they were great cars. But lucky I was in a four-wheel drive. But Miami is crazy driving for people who, if they've been there or don't know, it's insane. Like uh, It's one of the craziest places I've ever driven. And it's just, it's the volume of traffic, but it's the rate people drive at. Like I've never seen so many people break so late in my life in Miami. It's right. just high speed, very late braking. I don't know if that's how South Americans drive because there's something going on that's different to every other part of America, but crazy driving. Anyway, rear-ended there late one night, coming home from being out to the hotel. Uh, guy's car was totaled, though. We were fine. I love Miami, just as a side note. I, lo- I love Miami, too. <laughs> <laughs> I love Miami, too, but that, that was, that was yeah. I was happy that the outcome was fine. And the Golden State Warriors also were very happy that Steph was fine. He tweeted, don't need any reminders, but all the time, God is great. And God is great all the time with an exclamation mark. Appreciate all the texts. He's currently battling a groin injury. He's sitting on my IR in my fantasy team, Mark, and I need him back as soon as possible. Yeah, well, I'm sure he will come back and provide what what you've been missing. I mean, he had a good start to the year, so he should have got plenty of uh, fantasy points for you. What do they call them, Jimmy? Fantasy points. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm so doing okay. Should have got you should have got plenty. So it's a bit out of my realm. Um, but yeah, so he should have given you a good head start. So giving you a bit of in the kitty. So he's been out for a little while. I'm sure he'll come back and improve on the kitty. Well, Mark, watching that video, I, I just didn't know what to say. It's actually unbelievable. For those listening to us here on the Committee Williams podcast, if you aren't too queasy with, with things like that, I I advise you to um, jump on YouTube and, and watch it. If, if you just sort of look up uh, wrestler brick throw, something along those lines, I suppose. But Mex- Mexican wrestler takes brick, I think. Yeah? That'll probably get you sorted. So this professional wrestler was forced to have emergency surgery after being hit with a brick during a match in Puerto. I'm terrible with these pronunciations. Porto. Porto? Porto, yeah. The show was being run by Lucha Libre Boom and Lucha... M- M- uh. <laughs> Is that memes <laughs> or memes? I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. One of the two wrestlers was uh, the two wrestlers in question were Cuervo, who came up against Angel or Demonio, which are Angel or Demon, in a brutal hardcore death match. Right, so that gives you a little bit of context now. These kind of matches are renowned for featuring all kinds of weapons and a whole lot of scary stunts. And for those who have seen the video, they'll see that the wrestler uh, gets hit, obviously with the brick, and of course, also before that, he's being smashed in the face. With a steel chair. The perfect person to ask about what on earth I was watching is you, of course, Mark, because you wrestled for a long time. You still appear in some shows. And what did you think when you saw that video? Well, one, I don't speak Spanish. So I couldn't understand everything that was going on. But from what I saw, Jimmy, was uh, it was a brutal hardcore death match. I mean, it perfectly description in, in your description. But no, obviously... Uh, it was a stiff shot, as we say in the uh, business. A stiff shot. Yeah, stiff, stiff, baby. Well, it's beyond stiff. It was more botched, which means it's uh, messed up. Uh, stiff means if if I'm if I'm throwing a punch at you and I give you a real one, you know what I'm saying. Instead of being a little bit lighter on you like a normal wrestling should, I might give you a real one. That means I work stiff. So 
It just means I'm, I'm uh, it's it's quite real in there, which is a, some somehow a lot of guys work. Uh, so, yeah, but some stiffer than other. This was one of those cases where I think he was probably we'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he was going for the upper back. Um, he did. He did say that. He did say that. Whether or not he's a believable source, but I can't imagine anyone would do that on purpose, throwing a brick at another guy's head in the ring. Uh, it seems to be a little bit full on. I have seen worse things happen in the ring. I will say. Um, so on my scale, yeah, it's shocking, but not the worst I've seen. He got up from it. Another thing I've seen guys laid out for minutes and minutes and minutes and carted out. Um, so he got up and walked off in his own stand. It was shocking though. There was a lot of blood and stuff like that. It was so unreal. You, yeah. So you knew you knew it was a um, a miscue. But uh, a lot of stuff happens in those types of matches that uh, would make you squirm, and they're meant to happen. So uh, there's a lot of brutality that goes on in the death match. That is the real deal. And uh, I've seen numerous ones where they have barbed wire for ring ropes and stuff like that. So you can imagine uh, the boys getting caught up in that. You never um, fought in a, you never fought in a death match, did you, Mark? No, I haven't. I haven't had to. I haven't had to yet. Jimmy. <laughs> I'm glad you have. Ne- never say never. Never say never. But no, not on that level. I mean, uh, it's a different style of wrestling. Uh, the interesting thing was when I first heard the story, I, my first question was, was it thrown by a fan? Now, okay. the reason why I said that is because in Mexico and Puerto Rico and a lot of the South American countries, the fans are very passionate, and what they'll do, especially in the old days, not so much anymore, but they still do do it. They'll throw things at the wrestlers, like rocks, like bottles, a whole bunch of stuff, especially if you're the heel or the bad guy, so to speak, uh, because they take it very seriously. And kayfabe, what we say kayfabe means uh, keeping wrestling alive and realistic and secretive. Uh, so when we say kayfabe, it means like, you know, it's like the fourth wall for actors, basically. So there's an unspeaking rules and, and, and character, breaking character would be, say, breaking kayfabe. Now... In those countries, kayfabe is still very alive. So meaning the fans really believe that this is real and that that guy hates that guy and that guy's the bad guy. So you get a lot of the fans buy into it on that level, like they used to do in the old days everywhere. But that obviously means in some of these countries that they take liberties and throw things at the wrestlers and do crazy stuff. Well, one name that a lot of people will be familiar with who listen to this podcast, Kurt Angle, was in the WWE for a long, very long time. Couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but I certainly remember watching him as a, as I was a kid watching yep. the WWE. He tweeted, and I love your thoughts on this. Kurt's tweet was, "Give me ten seconds with that stupid mf'er." Yes, you can work that out. Mofo. Yeah. Yeah. Give me ten seconds with that stupid mf'er that threw the brick. Shouldn't be anywhere near the business. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm, who am I to disagree with Kurt Angle? He's one of the greatest <laughs> in-ring performers ever. Um, so if Kurt said it, I'll back Kurt a hundred percent. Um, but yeah, you get a lot of people in this business that probably shouldn't be in the business. Um, but yeah, even in a match like that, when you, it may be even more so in a match like that, when you, when you are putting yourself at the mercy of your opponent to the point where it can maim and harm you sometimes could kill you. Um, you really giving yourself to the other guy in that you're saying, don't, don't do the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Because we're in a very high-risk situation. So if something goes bad, it can go really bad. So it's not the time to be reckless at all. This could have been far worse than it, it was. It could have been. It could have killed him. So, I mean, that's my point in that if you're entering a match like that, a lot of these guys that do those matches, they've got a few screws loose anyway, Jimmy, even more so <laughs> than us regular wrestlers. So 
they're sometimes a little extreme personality types, you know. They're strange cats. You've got to be sometimes to do that and get your kicks out of it. So there's part of it that they may be masochists. Who knows, Jimmy? But uh, you're still trying to look after the other guy to an extent. So by entering that type of thing, you're really placing your life in the other guy's hands at times. For those who haven't seen the video, what I was sort of sort of chuckling at before the whole thing unfolded was the referee actually helps one of these wrestlers bring the bricks into the ring while the other one's down uh, searching underneath the Allegedly. ring. Allegedly. No, it, it, watch the video. Allegedly. <laughs> he is. He puts the bricks down. Jimmy, I'll say it again. Allegedly. He, maybe he was just, maybe he thought they were in the way of a fan or something. He so, put them in the middle of the ring. So so you're saying the ref was helping out the rest? It certainly looked like Setting that. something up potentially? It, it certainly looked like the ref, you know. Yeah, well, you know, I can't necessarily comment one way or the other on that, Jimmy, but sometimes these things happen and sometimes <laughs> the, the ref is the third guy in the dance, so he has to help out in certain situations. So, I mean, that that's the part that, yeah, it, the the brick was meant to be in play, don't get me wrong. It just wasn't to be used or executed in that way. Uh, not to the head, anyway. He had to have emergency surgery. He's doing okay now, I suppose, as any as well as anyone could be doing who'd just been... Yeah. Oh, I mean, let's let's not sugarcoat it. I've seen guys die in the ring on footage. Dead. So, yeah, it's not in bad. the scheme of things, um, it's bad, but I've seen far worse. Would you mind sharing like one of the most bizarre things that you've been a part of that maybe not supposed to happen or maybe something that went wrong? Well, I have been a part of situations where maybe the result hasn't gone the way that it was meant to go. Okay. Uh, or people have done the wrong thing there, uh, either a ref counting too quick and things like that. So if for those that don't know, if you're in the ring, and I know this is my frustration at the wrestling business because I don't like refs that don't count to three no matter what. If you're a referee, you should be counting to three no matter what. It's on the wrestlers to kick out, okay? So if you don't kick out, I'm counting for three as a referee. Okay, all right. I don't like when refs pull up, and you can say they pull up. So sometimes that's on the that's on the the wrestlers too. So in situations like that, there can be breakdowns in communication. A match may end when it's not supposed to, uh, but nothing to the point of uh, you know crazy stuff like that. I've had guys knocked out in the ring with me. Um, so in that situation you need to look after the guy. Um, so I've had guys hurt bad in the ring with me, either from taking a bad fall or doing something they shouldn't have done. Um, never from me being too reckless, I hope. Uh, but no, not to the point where I've knocked a guy out with my hands or anything like that. Um, but in that situation, you just obviously have to go through the match, either wait for him to come to a bit, kill some time, or you have to look after him and finish the match, depending on how bad they're hurt. But these things happen all the time in the wrestling. Uh, so... But apart from that, that's about as juicy as I got for the, off the top of my head. Mark, you lived in America for a while. This week was Thanksgiving, and I just wanted, if you could share with the listeners, what does that mean and how big is it over in the States? I thought you were going to ask me what I was thankful for. Is that what I should have asked you? Well, I don't know. I just thought oh. that's where you go. I thought we were finishing on a really serious <laughs> note, and I was going to tell you all the things I'm grateful for, like you know, like a self-help guru and stuff like that. Uh, however, I did experience it a few times over there. Um, it's the one holiday, when we first went there, it was one holiday where a lot of America shuts down, which is strange uh, for over there. 
Uh, sort of a little bit like uh, Easter is sometimes here and stuff like that. Good Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that type of thing as well. So that's what I would liken it to. But, I mean, we, we never celebrated it per se. It didn't really mean much in our household because we were both Australian, myself and my wife. Uh, however, the thing that was good about it was obviously the Black Friday sales. Right, okay. So you'd go to the mall at like 12 o'clock at night, Jimmy. That was pretty cool. So we'd go to the outlet malls. We'd be hitting up on the Nike stores, obviously looking for me and my LeBron shoes. Um, so we'd be, you know, cruising around. That That is the cool thing. So they all open, for those of you that don't know, they usually open at like 12 midnight and they'll stay open literally for two days straight. Wow. Uh, on the Black Friday. So you can literally shop all night if you want. So that's what we'd do. So after you just hang out for Black Friday, you'd go to the mall at like 12 o'clock and, and then you'd hit all the different malls. I mean, we wouldn't be lining up at Walmart like crazy people trying to get some TVs and stuff like you see what's happening over there. And Florida did get pretty sketchy with that type of stuff. Um, so we avoided that type of thing. But uh, there's something cool about going to the mall at like three in the morning. What about all the work, without being too political, what about yes. all the, the workers? Surely they would have been getting paid. They get paid overtime and extra time? Or, <laughs> I'm not sure. Not sure? I'm not sure what the situation is in America. They uh, underpay most of their workers. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were earning under $10 an hour working Ooh. through the night. Um, so, you know, I mean, why'd you have to turn it to that, Jimmy? I, I was talking about to... getting some cheap kicks <laughs> and you have to make me feel bad about it. Cheap LeBrons. Oh, God. What are your favourite pair of LeBrons you've got? Oh, I, can't, I can't answer that. It's like asking me who my favourite child is. I don't have any children, but I'd imagine it'd be the same thing. Can't do that to you me. Can't, can't put me on the spot like that. What about, what about what are you thankful for? My LeBrons. <laughs> and high wages in Australia. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We are all done. A little bit of basketball, a little bit of the AFL draft, and a little bit of wrestling from Mark Cometti himself. We will be back with another episode next week.